The word of the Lord from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 26. So Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, And the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel lesson for the day is the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Just by itself, 
The fact that Jesus talks to one who is both a Samaritan and a woman, that's a remarkable thing. Enough that the disciples don't know what to make of it when they arrive on scene. Add to it that she's had a rough go, that she's had five husbands and is currently living with a sixth guy. And all on its own, this text is a great example of how Christ has come to save sinners of all nations. It's a beautiful story. But if we want even more beauty, we have to go back a little bit. For one thing, Jesus does a lot of things with water in the Gospel of John, especially in the first few chapters. In chapter 1, he himself is baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, where he's announced as set apart by God as his beloved Son and the Christ. In chapter 2, Jesus turns water into wine at the wedding at Cana, which in part declares that he has come to usher in something new, namely the kingdom of heaven. And by the way, it's just after the wedding at Cana that Jesus cleanses the temple in Jerusalem. And when the leaders demand a sign of his authority, he tells them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. He's talking about his body. He's saying he's the new temple because he is God in the flesh, present with his people. And as long as I'm saying, by the way, it's also notable that in the wake of the wedding at Cana, John the Baptist compares himself to Jesus by saying that he, John, is the friend of the bridegroom and that the bridegroom has arrived for his bride. This is another big theme in the New Testament. Reflecting the Old Testament, Jesus is the bridegroom, the church is his bride, and eternal life, that's the wedding feast. By the end of chapter 2, then, you've got messianic themes of water and temples and weddings. Now, in chapter 3, Jesus has that extended discussion with Nicodemus in which he says, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God, which, as we heard last week, means that he has come to gather people into his kingdom by joining them to his death and resurrection. Now, add up those texts, and the woman at the well is in the presence of the Messiah, anointed by God to be the Savior, the Messiah who has come to usher in a new kingdom and who comes to welcome sinners into that kingdom. And that would include her. See, Jesus' conversation with this woman in John 4, it builds on the water works of John 1 through 3. But if we really want to rejoice in this story, we need to go back a little bit farther to Ezekiel 47. In Ezekiel 47, the prophet Ezekiel has a vision where God takes him to the temple in Jerusalem. By now, it's been destroyed by the Babylonians, but in Ezekiel's vision, it is built again. And in his vision, a river flows from the temple to the Dead Sea, a sea that is so salty that it doesn't support life. In this vision, there are three remarkable things about this river. The first is its source because it flows out of a building, the temple. In other words, this water symbolizes life, and this water flows from God. 
The second is that as the river flows farther and farther away from the temple, its source, the river becomes deeper and wider, which is precisely the opposite of what rivers normally do unless they're fed by other streams. The third is that wherever the river goes, life springs up. That usually happens with rivers, but the remarkable thing here is that when the river reaches the Dead Sea, it turns the salt water into fresh water. Plants and all sorts of fruit trees spring up along its banks. Living creatures gather on the shores. The waters teem with fish. Where there was once a desert and a dead salt sea, in Ezekiel's vision, the Garden of Eden is restored. Now, all of this is a prophecy of what the Messiah will come and do. And in John 4, we have the Messiah at the well with the Samaritan woman. It's the middle of the day and Jesus is thirsty, so he asks her for a drink of water. It gets her attention. And from what we learn from her life later on, it's no surprise that she might be suspicious of his motives. She asks, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus doesn't answer her question. Instead, he offers something better. He says, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, there's a double meaning here. The words for a living water can also mean running water, which is what the woman takes Jesus to mean. It makes no sense to her. If there's running water anywhere nearby, she wouldn't be drawing water from this well. And if he has water to give, then how come he's asking her? Now, you, of course, are thinking of Ezekiel 47. You know about the vision where water flows from the temple to give life and restore paradise. And you know that Jesus, who has just offered this woman living water, has also called himself the new temple. Well, let's see how this plays out. Following her line of reasoning, the woman says, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. To answer her questions, yes, Jesus is greater than Jacob, and yes, he has living water to give because he is the source of life. He tells her, everyone who drinks of this water will, will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She's still not catching on, but she'd rather not haul jars to the well. And this man has something that she doesn't. So she says, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus changes tactics and the topic saying, Go, call your husband and come here. She says she has no husband, to which Jesus responds, You are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, 
and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Interesting, by the way, she's been married to five faithless men, which it seems is the same number of false gods worshipped by the Samaritans. She needs a better bridegroom. Well, the light is starting to dawn, and the woman says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. This strange man wants to talk religion, and she wouldn't mind knowing what's what. Her people have their temple while the Jews have theirs in Jerusalem. So who is right? Neither. Jesus responds, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. In short, the Samaritans are wrong because they worship false gods. The Jews were off to a good start worshiping the one true God, but now their leaders are busy rejecting God's only begotten Son. So where is the right temple for worship? He's standing in front of her because he is God in the flesh and thus present with his people. He comes to give living water, to give life and salvation. How are people to worship? Because of the Son, they will worship the Father by the work of the Holy Spirit through the truth of God's word. Hey, how about that? It's just like Nicodemus last week in John 3. The Son gathers penitent sinners to his Father by the work of the Holy Spirit through his word. Oh, the woman's almost caught up now. She says, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus answers, I who speak to you am he. Well, that's almost what he says. In the Greek, he says, I am the one who is speaking to you. This is one of those I am statements of John, where Jesus declares that he is not just the Messiah sent from God. He is God, now in the flesh, to save sinners. Add it all together. When Jesus comes and speaks to this woman at the well, the temple comes to a woman who doesn't know where or how to worship. The eternal bridegroom comes to a woman who has been cast out by five husbands. God has become man to gather her into his kingdom. Now, as the text continues, the woman's village invites him to stay. He remains two days teaching them, giving them living water in abundance, so that many believe because of his word. They rejoice and gladly proclaim that he is the Savior of the world. She believes too, 
After all the faithless gods and faithless men, she now has a faithful Savior who will not abandon her. He can't stay, though. The one who has an endless, overflowing supply of living water, he has to be thirsty one more time. He's bearing their sins and the sins of the world to the cross. And there the one who gives life and living water will suffer the death of all because of sin. There the one who gives living water will say, I thirst, as God pours out his wrath on his son for the salvation of sinners, Samaritans, and you. You. Jesus knows and could tell everything that you have ever done, which sounds like this is not off to a very good start. But look at what he does for you. The same God, Yahweh himself, I am in the flesh, has thirsted for you on the cross because he has borne your sins to the cross and destroyed their power there. Whatever you have done, or whatever has been done to you, whatever the guilt that weighs you down or the shame inflicted by others, he has sacrificed himself to cleanse you. And now the bridegroom welcomes you into his kingdom as part of his bride, pure and holy. Where you would have no way of finding God, he has sought you out. By means of holy baptism and by means of his word, he has brought you into the kingdom so that you worship the Father through the Son by the work of the Holy Spirit. By means of his own body and blood in the supper, he keeps visiting to forgive your sins and strengthen your faith. Between Jacob's well and the cross... Jesus will stand in Jerusalem in John 7 and cry out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. What joy for the invitation remains. My friends, repent of your sins and remain with the Lord for he has abundant life, rivers of life, for you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.